0: we're listening to the superpower up podcast with your superpower experts this is the place where we explore real life superpowers and give you the tools to unlock your own hello everyone this is Tonya Don Reckla your superpower expert and you know you all are in for a treat today so this gentleman is no stranger to all things uh well, I don't know what terminology he would use for what we use, obviously, is the, you know, embodying the abstract frequency and working miracles and being mutants and using your superpowers and all that stuff. I think he is the walking, talking epitome of all of that. Um, and I really honor the work that he does in the world and not just the work itself, but the outreach, the model, the system, everything about it um, is just miraculous. And I've often used their model as my own motivation and and kind of guidance to um, with regard to superpower experts. And so it's really a treat for me to be able to have this conversation with him today. But Gary Douglas of Access Consciousness Fame is um, with us today. Um, And what I hope to do in this dialogue is to create the obvious interweaving between the concept of superpowers and what we're capable of and how we contribute to the world Um, With the access consciousness kind of mission and purpose and what it what it's designed to do. I see those as being very closely aligned and um, and I think that what access consciousness brings to the table are a lot of really tried and true methods and practices um, and processes that can enable and expedite that growth in so many people. Um, and so I, I'm happy to be able to promote their work um, to our audience. And so without further ado, please join me in welcoming the remarkable Gary Douglas to the show. Thank you, Gary, for joining us.
1: Thank you, dear one. You're, you know, that was a great introduction. You think that you knew me really well.
0: <laughs> I feel like I do. <laughs> I've been stalking you for a while, Gary, you know. You always stalk me. It's fine. Well, I tell people, you know, I was a counterintelligence agent for the government. And I said, you know, the government trained me on how to do surveillance. And so I I use that technique. Uh, (laughs) I try to to use my superpowers for good now. So uh, we'll see. But anyway, so Gary, you know, please enlighten our audience. What are your superpowers?
1: Well, I think the ultimate superpower, which we all have and usually don't institute, is choice. The real, the real, you know, it's like you have a choice on every day and every, everything you choose, you have, whatever you choose, you have a choice. And if you have, if you recognize you have choice and you start to look not for the right or wrong choice, but what the, what's that choice going to create? And you have to function from the two things that we have is choice and question. And it's like, if we have question, but we don't look for an answer, we question, but not for an answer, but for an awareness. Then we have choices, and those two are about awareness, and that leads us to possibilities, which is about gaining greater awareness, which usually takes us back to question and choice. And then the last part is the uh, contribution. And it's like we, you know, it's like if we do question, choice and possibility, then the universe will contribute to us and making everything in our lives work. And that to me is the ultimate gift that all of us have and most of us don't use.
0: Mm, I love that. Well, and, it, and it's interesting. I did a, an episode with a gentleman who introduced us to the concept of pronoia, and as it compares to paranoia. And really the, the concept is that the universe is conspiring on your behalf. And I, and I think that our society, you know, perhaps or programs or whatever teach us that that's a Pollyanna ish view of things. And so it really can't be that simple. And, and often clients will say to me, well, you just make it sound so simple. And I said, it it actually is very simple. It's just not normal. And so I take, um, you know, our role as superpower experts, one of the things I think that we do remarkably well is we normalize conversations that are otherwise considered out of reach or, um, you know, like uh, rose colored glasses ish, you know, like the idea that it, it can't possibly be that easy, um, and we can go, we could probably talk for years about conspiracy theories as to how those ideas developed. But ultimately, um, I love what you're saying about we, we, we have a choice about whether or not we perpetuate them, whether or not we continue to embody them. And, and, and I find a lot of times it's like people don't even know, well, what's the alternative? Right? Exactly. And, and so how do you help people with that concept?
1: Well, it's like the alternative is what choice would you make if you were choosing for you rather than choosing for somebody else or choosing against you? Because like, you know, one of the things that when I was growing up, my parents used to say to me, you can do anything, Gary. Uh, Don't do that. You can do anything, but don't do that. And you can do anything, but don't do that. I go, how come if I can do anything?
0: (laughs) Because
1: guess what? The ones I wanted to do the most were the ones I was told not to do. Mm -hmm. So I went out and I did them. And then I discovered why it might not have been in my best action to choose choose them, but I chose them. So it's like I began to realize, oh, choice creates. What does it create? Well, it creates the good or the bad that shows up in your life. you got to be willing to look at it and go, okay, I chose this, and it didn't turn out the way I wanted to. Now what? Do I have a new mm-hmm. choice? And the reality is we have 10 seconds to choose anything in our lives, and the 10-second increments of choice is the greatest gift you can give yourself because that way it's not the Lord of the Rings choice. i got to make the right choice to get it right forever and all eternity. But it's like I've got choice now what would i like to choose
0: <laughs> it's so funny you bring up the lord of the rings idea it was our daughter I, I shared with you before the show she's eight and her she hates the question um people always ask her what she wants to be when she grows up and she hates that question and she looks him. she goes i'm just gonna focus on what i'm doing now <laughs> thank you well, and, and she she's so yeah. delicate in it but she comes home and kind of fumes like Ah, she's like, Mom, that's the worst question ever. You know, she's like, it's too far out there.
1: I'll I'll give her the answer I came up with at six. When they would ask me, what do you want to be when you grow up? I go, happy. Hmm. No, 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 son. What do you want to be when you grow up? Happy. No, you want to be a doctor, a lawyer, an Indian chief. I don't care as long as I'm happy.
0: Hmm. Beautiful.
1: I'm happy today.
0: (laughs) Well, and choosing to be that right now, too. And I think that... When we set that as the out there kind of concept, it, it, we play the waiting game then. It's like, well, there's I can't be happy until bam, 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 bam. And, and and some of the games- does that ever is, become
1: part of our reality? I don't understand that part. I,
0: you know, like no, I said, I think I, I could come up with some pretty cool conspiracy theories about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. But they would all be conspiracy theories. They wouldn't necessarily be true.
0: <laughs> oh, absolutely true. So, so one of the things I'm really curious about, for those of you who aren't aware, um, you know, Access Consciousness has, um, like I said at the, at the beginning, a lot of processes and stuff that it trains people in, practices, ways to accelerate, um, you know, this is obviously my language, ways to accelerate your growth toward actualization. Gary, for, first, before I ask my question, t- tell the audience a little bit about how you describe Access Consciousness.
1: It's the weirdest, wildest, wackiest things that you have ever done, and it will work.
0: <laughs> and there you have it. <laughs> and there you
1: have it. it works. I
0: love it. So how, like, how did... I can't,
1: I can't describe how I got to what I got to, but it's like what I realized is, you know, it's like I tried every church, cult, and religion known to mankind at one time or another. And, and it's like all of them had good things in them, but none of them worked all the time. And I didn't like that I wanted everything to work all the time what part of everything's supposed to work all the time do you not get and when it didn't work I was like okay this is not acceptable to me I need something that works all the time and so I I searched and searched and searched and that's the reason I did all these different churches cults, and religions because I was trying to find something that would work and I would find a piece here and a piece there and a piece everywhere and it's like the one thing I did discover is truth exists in all things. But the problem is most of the things take one truth and then they decide that is the truth. And then they don't search beyond that. And you've always got to question everything. I grew up in the 60s when you were, you know, question authority. And I went, why would you just question authority? Why wouldn't you question everything? Mm-hmm. And so I questioned everything. And I go, okay, so how come that's up? How come that's up? Why is that so? What makes that right? It makes, that, it makes that, you know, it's like, I question everything. But then I was that kind of kid.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because you could be describing my life. I, I see that kind of commonality in a lot of the folks that we have on the show in the sense that it, I call it checking the boxes. And it's like you kind of have to go through and check all the boxes to find out not that, not that, not that, not that. And I, Certainly that's not the only way to go through it, but I do see that commonality um, in a most, lot of folks.
1: It's the most fun way to go through it.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, well, it, well, and, and the we, and then you know, for me at least, I was very clear that a lot of it was, you know, gosh, I look really good on paper, but ultimately, it was for purely selfish reasons. I was going yeah. through all of it. Um, was I was seeking that thing, like you say, that that works all the time, yeah. and I too didn't find it. Um, but 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 I don't want to kind of brush over or um, diminish in any way. What I can only assume was part of the journey in, in you bringing forward some of this information. Like, No matter how desperate we get to find that solution for ourselves, I think there does come that moment of, as we're hearing information or downloading it or receiving or whatever your process is with it, um, really kind of sitting in that for a minute and go, you know, am I really doing that? Did, did you have that moment of, well, what am I really saying here? And, and am I ready to say it?
1: Well, I think really what it became, uh, what occurred for me is I went to a bunch of metaphysical people and they would tell me that I had to come up with my, high, you know, with my purpose and I had to have a high purpose. And if I didn't have a high purpose, then I was going to fail mankind. And so I would, you know, I would spend hours coming up with a high purpose. And it's like and then they go well that's not a high enough purpose and i go how come you get to judge what my purpose is and how the hell do you know better than me and like, and what makes you think your purpose is better than my purpose and it's like why do you have you know like what gives you the right to judge my purpose or what i choose and i began to realize that we learn judgment very early on and we're taught that our judgment is what we have to use but in reality judgment is what limits what we can perceive and if it limits what we can perceive does it also limit what we can know and what we can be and definitely what we can receive so it's like i began to realize okay judgment is not a good choice government judgment is something we do but it's not something that may be necessary what if there was a different choice i began to realize wait a minute there is a different choice it's called choose different choose again and so I began with the process of looking at, okay, if this is the, yes, this is the highest purpose and all you're doing is ask me to give you all, all my money, then how is your higher purpose better than my higher purpose? What the hell is this? So I, once again, it was the questioning thing. I was always questioning everything and everyone and wondering, okay, so why is yours better than mine? Why am I not as good as you? Why do you see me as less than? What is it that makes the difference for all of us? And realizing that judgment is what people use to defend against and defend for they defend against what is possible and they defend for the rightness of their point of view and I think you have a choice in life. you can be right or you can be free. which one do you want mm,
0: I love that well, and ultimately judgment stems from the idea of thinking that we have something to fear you know that that we 're not whole and, and, and confident and, and Actualize in and of ourselves, and so there, there there's this self-dominion kind of concept that well, gets reflected in judgment.
1: Okay, I have a question for you. Sure. In an emergency situation, do you get calm, cool, and collected and handle it, or do you fall apart, fly away?
0: Me? Yeah.
1: A. A. Yeah. Most people do, and that's because there is no such thing as fear. It's a lie we buy to live in this reality.
0: hold on hold on i'm making a note here gary fear is a lie we buy to live in this reality yeah nice Uh, i like it
1: i mean i I loved it i was like 11 years old and we went to a amusement park and i'm really excited because we're going on the uh you know on the uh actually i was younger than that. i was about seven and we were going on the roll not the roller coaster the ferris wheel And it's like, and I'm sitting there, I'm jumping up and down, and my mom says, don't be afraid, Gary. It's okay. It's going to be fine. Don't be afraid. And so (laughs) I thought that excitement that I experienced was fear. For years, I thought that was fear. And then I got old enough to have a heart on and I began to realize, wait a minute, if this is fear, I definitely want it.
0: (laughs) Two thumbs up. (laughs) Yes.
1: More of that, please. (laughs) And so I, you know, I discovered in that that fear is not what we think it is, and fear is not necessarily always there for us. And it's like I discovered really early on that if there was an emergency, you know, some people. I had one friend who would like he would just run around like a chicken with his head come you know falling off if if there was if something was an emergency, he would like fall apart. And run around like crazy and it's like i never did i just got calm cool and collected and handled it and it was amazing to realize wait a minute i don't have any fear here i have something else what have i got and i realized what i've got is awareness and choice and it's like we always have a choice whether we do the reaction or whether we do action and for me and for most of the people i know action is more real than reaction
0: Mm, i love that so So you say fear is not real and that in emergency situations, people are going to be calm, cool, and collected. Do you find, but then you gave the example of your friend. So what is it that kind of dictates who recognizes fear and who doesn't, even in an emergency situation?
1: Well, I'd say that if you're, you know, it's like what we say in access, there are two kinds of people on the planet, humans and humanoids. Now, humans tell you how you're wrong and judge everybody and tell everybody how they're right and you're wrong. Humanoids are always telling themselves how wrong they are and how they're you know, fucked up and they've you know, they got terrible problems and all that kind of stuff. But they always question everything, and especially they judge themselves. Humanoids will judge themselves but not others, and humans will always judge others and not themselves. A human never sees that they've ever done anything wrong. A human see, only sees that they have done wrong somehow. Not necessarily true. So you've mm-hmm. got to get to the point where you recognize, are you a human or a humanoid? And if you judge yourself all the time and wonder what's wrong with you constantly, then you're a humanoid. If you know you're right and everybody else is wrong, then you're a human. And it's not one's better than the other. They're just different. And the humanoid will always look for a different possibility. But humans always also write all the great art, all the great literature, all the greatness of mankind came from humanoids. Because they were always the people that questioned and searched and looked for a different possibility. They were not willing to live the same old, same old reality.
0: That's interesting because I, I've often said, you know, people ask me, like, how did I kind of get to some of the conclusions and everything that I have? And I, and I, I really, um, I, I believe and I've stated that my willingness to self-question is my secret and, and that it's, it's constantly bringing it into self first and saying, okay, what is this? What can I do differently? And, and just, and that's allowed me to have um, a viewpoint that felt better to me than constantly looking outside of myself. And, and I sat with it for a little bit, you know, I'm like, well, what if I'm just, you know, I drink the Kool-Aid or I, you know, whatever, whatever it is. And I'm just fooling myself. And I really ran that thread through and said, okay, Let's say that I'm wrong, and let's say that we really don't have that much choice and that much control over our existence. Then, at the end result, you know, I die and find out that I was wrong, and there's nothing else, and da 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 da. But in the midst of it, I lead a pretty fun life because I believe that I have choice and I get to create, um, you know, what what happens to me. And so those 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 were odds I was willing to to live with, and and that's really what it came down to, and and why I chose to play in some of these fears. Um, you know, it's like
1: somebody asked, what's the purpose of life? And I said to have fun. And if you ain't having any, kill yourself. Stop wasting the air mm-hmm. on the planet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Feed the worms. <laughs> 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 well, absolutely. It's, it's, uh, you know, and, and I went through a series of, um, I think it was about three months where every morning I woke up and I said, do I want to stay here? And I sat with it and I felt into it and I was like, okay, yeah, I guess I'll stay at least one more day. Right. And then, and then the, the immediate thought was, all right, then I'm going to play. If I'm going to stay here, because I believe it to be a voluntary existence, then I'll play, you know, but, but it, what it did was it helped remove all of those layers of I'm somehow obligated to be here, you know, or that in the obligation that somehow I have this burden or this cross to bear. And I felt like all those layers kind of coming off when I was willing to, to, to sit in that space. But but I think the majority of, of society would say that that's a morbid kind of view. For you to say, you know, take yourself out if you're not willing to play and be happy, you know, we don't really honor that in our society, at least in most no. circles. No. Um, and so we create fun things like cancer and all kinds of other excuses to take ourselves out because they, they feel more noble. Um,
1: yeah. Well, it's like, it's how you, I mean, sickness and illness is considered noble? Yeah. Why? <laughs>
0: Well, because, because we're not willing to look at our loved ones and say, I'm done here. Thank you. Like, I'm leaving, you know?
1: Yeah, I'm done. I'm leaving. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's like, what's it to you? <laughs> I just want to go. <laughs> yes,
1: again, I'm, yeah, it's like, I'm, I'm through with this is a strange concept, but I totally get it. You know, it's like, for me, it's like at one time in my life, I had a, I had a back surgery, and it's like, and I didn't see anybody, didn't see anybody for three months nobody came to see me nobody talked to me i disappeared and i was reading i was reading a short story about a kid who was in a big family and he died on his birthday and nobody noticed they didn't notice him for three days until his body started to smell i thought oh my god that's really sad and i went wait a minute and the difference for me is what and that's wow. why oh if you're not creating something and making something for yourself then you're as good as dead and mm-hmm.
0: if you're dead to
1: everybody around you what can you create
0: mm. that's beautiful well and it i think it does help to then pull the shroud off of the fear dialogue um circling back around to that concept because it you know, ultimately all we have in our way is ourselves, but it's so hard to see sometimes when we think that that fear is real. And we're taught as you identify so many subtle ways to believe that. Um, And, and it really is this kind of ripping off. And so anyway, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk with you. Um, about some of the processes and how how that works um and because i do think that they're so valuable so we've been talking with gary douglas um, of access consciousness gary where can people go to find out more about you
1: uh you can go to uh gary douglas at access consciousness or access consciousness or you can look me up on yahoo or any place else and you can see all the bad press and the good press and the mediocre press and you know and who cares (laughs)
0: Perfect. Well, we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. So stick with us. Your personal power and unlock your superpowers. If you are ready to use your superpowers to change the world, then join the Superpower Net today. Visit superpowerexperts.com/ the net to learn more. so awesome. We're back. You're listening to the Superpower Up podcast, and we have Gary Douglas on the show with us today talking about access consciousness and really where that intersects with some of the superpower conversations we have here. Um, Gary, the first introduction a lot of people have to access consciousness is bars, right? And it's kind of like this, <laughs> this cult following of the bars things from the perspective of it's like, it's this mystical thing if people aren't familiar with it of what is it. And and I shared with you before we started the interview that Justin and Neva and I all took um, the class together, uh, my husband and my daughter, and Neva was three, I think. So first of all, what I love is that you allow children to take part and um, you know we look um, high and low for environments that will will do that because we, we you know we 've seen what what neva 's capable of and, and we love to have her participate with us and things um, so so big kudos to you for that. but but prior to taking the class, I had done a couple of bar sessions with folks, but before that was like what what is this like it, it sounds you know what is it and I know that you all get that question a lot um, so how how describe bars to us and how you came about the information
1: well bars bars are actually 32 different points on the head that are like hitting delete file on your computer bank. You know, and if you've ever had your hard drive overloaded uh, where everything's kind of jammed up and you can't seem to get anything to move, it's like, it's like that. And what this bars do is delete the files on that. So all the thoughts, feelings, emotions, you know, good, bad, right, and wrong and everything you've decided is true and real that has nothing to do with greater possibility disappears. And uh, it's just it's just a miracle to me personally because when I feel cranky, I get my bars run. I'm really good for like two or three weeks, and I really like feeling good. And I'm just you know I'm really quite impressed with the fact that you know that that it does the thing it does. And we've had you know people who there was a lady who was in Australia. And her husband was a green break type who went out on secret missions and stuff. And he uh, he would do this thing of, you know, like she would wake up in the middle of the night with him beating on her. And, you know, and it's like, so she ran his bars and he quit. He quit. He had, his PTSD went away, getting his bars wrong. Mm. which was, so powerful. it's just, it was just amazing. And it's like, I've had people who, you know, there was a lady who came to us and she couldn't sleep. She did her bars. She slept like an angel after that. And it's like, I don't know what people are going to get because it's our own point of view that creates the limitations we can't seem to change. And so the one thing about bars is they change your point of view as you erase what's got you stuck. And I was thrilled to realize that that was a possibility. Hmm. And, you know, the bars always, I'm just like amazed at what happens for people. And I keep wondering, how the heck did I get this lucky? I mean, Mm -hmm. God knows I did enough drugs, sex, and rock and roll when I was young to, you know, Mm -hmm. take care of 20 people. So (laughs) the fact that I get to do this is like, okay, now we're talking. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well once yeah. you tapped into excitement and hard or hard-ons you were good
1: yeah so it was <laughs> it was all you know it was, and and so you know I started this by actually I was channeling years ago and uh this guy asked me to come to New York and you know and do some channeling for him so I went okay fine and I get there and I go okay so uh you know so what do you want to hear? He goes. Well, I want you to do a uh, channeled massage. I said, uh, Do I have to touch your body? Do I have to get naked? Do I get, you know, do I close my, do I get to close my eyes, or what's what's the deal? And he goes, Oh no, I just want you to channel for my massage therapist and tell her what to do. And so the first element of the bars came out during that channel. Mm. and I was like, Okay, nice. So I'll be able to just keep my eyes shut, channel and be a you know a guru type and about, <laughs> about a year into doing doing the bars and doing this stuff it's like I'm in the middle of one of these uh, this class that i'm teaching on the bars and the person you know it's like and the channel goes okay you're on your own now goodbye get to work i went wait a minute i wanted to be cool i didn't want to have to work And so I went to work and I started doing the bars and teaching the bars and creating more. And it's been a, you know, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful experience, years of it. And, Mm. you know, it's like you talked about the kids and it's like, I let kids come to the class for free. And one of the most amazing things for me personally is I have the person who was, at five years old became a, became a facilitator of access. She was ready to classes and she had done the, the classes for becoming a facilitator. She came and at five she gave me her thing and she had made in big block letters had done her name and then she had me sign it and she was serious as a heart attack about it. I said, she said, "I get to teach classes, right? I said, yes, you do. Do I have to teach kids? No do I have to teach adults? No. What do I have to teach anybody you want? Okay, good. I'm teaching kids. I don't like adults. Okay, fine. (laughs) She just came to a class and it's been, uh, she was, she's now 22. Mm. And she's been doing access that long and just an amazing girl. And all the kids that have come to access, they, you know, they started years ago. Some, you know, it's like six, nine, whenever they started, and today they are the kids that are the leaders of their group. They are the kids that know themselves. They are the kids who have a voice in the world. And I went, you know what? If I've done nothing else, I've at least given them their voice. And that's really a great gift.
0: Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah, I, I, we took Nima when she was three and I, and her her story is well known in, in at least her circles. And um and I I, I believe that things like ours and, and even just the environment, first and foremost, that was welcoming to her um, just crafted her in a way that, that was different than, than a lot of us were raised. And so yeah. the, the, any environments and events and stuff that are willing to even entertain the idea of allowing kids to be there, I think, I think it's bold and courageous. And, and I applaud it. When, when my, husband, my husband and I were both agents for the government, when we came out of that, we made a pact that we wouldn't do anything in business that didn't involve her. And we strayed from that one time and it didn't go well. And and ultimately it was, you know, we had really cool jobs and, you know, we were running around chasing spies and it was like, we left all of that for a reason. And and even though people told us we were nuts and they told us that there was no way and we turned down business many, many, many times, we stuck to that. And what's happened because of that was we, we were able to um, attract to us environments that allowed her to be there more and more environments are popping up she's um become a model in some circles for how to do that um you know how to how to invite kids in because you know a lot of us came from the seen but not heard kind of mentality and so um you know when when you when you open that up and see what they're capable of i think it's just magical um and, and so i i contend that that bars had a lot to do with that in a number of different capacities um you know, I remember the first bar session I ever had again, I wasn't really sure what I was getting myself into, um, but when I when it was done, I felt like I couldn't walk. I felt, you know, I was like I was floating, you know, I was like on air and I, you know, I hadn't done LSD or anything like that, but it was like, I'd imagine this is kind of what that feels like. And it was just kind of like I had to concentrate on being able to put a foot down yeah. um, with every step. And, and so, so that got me intrigued enough to, to really explore what it was all about and, and, and big shout out to Alan Reed who, who connected us and, um, and she was a big um, kind of connector in that for me because I respect her and um, she and I've gotten to be close friends and um, but, but, but you hear those stories all the time. And I'm sure you hear many, many, many of them. I hear them even about access consciousness. I'm sure you hear them of the ways that it's, it's transformed people's lives and, and really assisted um, but and and so, I want to revisit something that you said before the break about the humans and the humanoids um, you know and i i don't want to project onto you, but was there ever any kind of hesitation within you to come and call that out and to really start speaking in that way
1: um, actually i you know it's like I had a very strange experience. I got on a plane, and there were two ladies sitting in in front of us and the one thing I always do when I'm with different kinds of people is I tend to listen to what they say and try and figure out how their minds work. I'm sure you never do that, but you know, it's like, I want to see how they manage to think the way they do. How do you come up with that as the way you think about things? What, you know, it's like, what creates that, what creates that point of view? And so I was sitting on the plane and I went, oh, I got to figure out what these ladies are doing. And they took off their jackets and they put their jackets over the back of the seats in front of them. And they started talking to each other. Yes, my, my daughter, she's a terrible, I gave her my amethyst ring and that was so valuable. I can't believe she didn't even thank me. She was just so ungrateful. You know how these kids are today. They're just, and I'm going, really? This is where you have been? Okay, good. So, uh, so I'm sitting there and I'm going into their heads to try and figure out how that, how they think so I can figure out how to get anybody who thinks like that out of their stuck point of view. And, and my, you know, partner, Dane, he's my business partner, not my any other kind of partner. Uh, (laughs) he was with me and he goes, don't go in, don't go in. (laughs) And it's like, I went. oh my God, I can't get out of this person's brain. This is like being in a maze. Uh, It's like no matter which way you turn, you don't get anywhere. And I'm I'm sitting there and it's like finally Dame was able to get me out. But while I was there, I was watching this lady and the the hostess came up and said, "Uh, ma'am, would you like to put your tray table down? She says, I don't have no tray table. You know and they had been talking about how you know they just make these seats smaller and smaller have you ever noticed I said have you ever thought your butt got wider but never (laughs) mind you know and it's like it's like they had literally put their jackets over the top of the tray table and could not see them oh goodness and it's like and when I finally got out I went okay these people are not like me I don't know what my problem is but this is not what's normal for me. And I said, I said, okay, so what's different? I said, oh my God, these people are human and I'm not human. I went, if I'm not human, what the hell am I? I went, uh, the, the, I must be a humanoid. I look like a human, I talk like a human, I walk like a ju- human, but I don't think like a human.
0: Hmm.
1: And it's like, I suddenly got that there was a difference. And then I started exploring it and discovering it was actually so, it was true. And for me, that was a huge turning point to realize that, you know, it's like, finally I could understand what I experienced my whole life. Because when I was working places, I'd work and the people would go, you got to slow down. You're working too much. You're making me look bad. I go, how can you slow down? I can't slow down. I want mm-hmm. to get everything done. And I would work at a job and I'd suggest all the reasons, the ways they could change it and make it better. And they go, no, we don't do that here. You know, this has been fine. This business has been here for 20 years. It'll stay the same for another 20 years. I went, oh, my God, I'm in the wrong place. And I always knew I was in the wrong place. I didn't know why. And that gave me the explanation of why I was always in the wrong place. No matter what time it was, I was in the wrong place. So I began to realize I got to start looking from a different place. I started looking at these things, and I began to realize, wow, there's a whole lot more available than I ever thought possible. What would it be like if I was willing to actually acknowledge the truth of what was, when I finally looked at the humanoid thing, I went, Oh my God, no wonder there are so many of us that think we're wrong. Cause the one thing I noticed about the humans is they would keep saying they were right, no matter how wrong they were. It's like, and I would watch them claiming the rightness of their point of view when I could poke holes in it easy. And it's like, and no matter what you tried to present to them, nothing ever changed their minds. Their minds were made up and they weren't going to hear anything else. And that was startling to me. And Mm. thrilling.
0: Hmm. I I love that. It reminds me of, um, my, when my husband and I met, we were teaching at the counterintelligence special agent course. And I had written a course on, they wanted a course on critical thinking, but I, I threw a lot of other things into it, like ego deconstruction and stuff like that. And, um, during part of the course, we were helping to identify to people the idea that if you, especially when you're trying to gather intelligence, um, if you have a button or some, some point that, that is a trigger for you and you don't know that and you haven't identified it for yourself and it, it gets triggered in a situation, it will kind of bastardize the information that you're receiving and, and will, will thwart that process. And we had a student I said, okay, give me an absolute truth. Right. And so he said, well, gravity, gravity is a, a natural law. And I said, okay, cool. I said, well, I don't believe in gravity. And he's like, well, what, what do you mean? Like you're standing there. I said, I know, but the fairies are holding me down. Like they're pushing on my shoulders. I said, don't you see them? And he's like, what? Well, it's gravity. Like you don't really believe that. Right. And I said, no, you're right. I don't. I said, but I did put gum on the bottom of my shoes and that's what's helping me stay on the ground today. Um, but you're right. I don't believe in fairies. And he's like, but it's gravity, you know, we, and we went around and around. And by this time, of course, the class had gotten the illustration was staring at him. Like, when are you going to let this go? And he was so dogged in trying to prove this. And, and again, I brought it around to the point of, you know, if you, um, you know, religion was a big issue there because of, of some of the places that we were gathering into. And I said, if you believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and savior and you're willing to die to defend that. And the person sitting across from you who has information that we need for a national security mission, Um, believes wholeheartedly in in some other belief system and is willing to die for that. How are you going to gather information if you're both willing to fight to the death, to defend an idea? And, um, and so anyway, so we kind of elaborate. And this, this kid, we, I mean, we took a break and he was still coming at me wanting me to admit that I believed in gravity, you know, and I just wouldn't give in and give it to him. But I was like, what does it matter? You know, you have to be willing to kind of let that go in the sense of opening up to the idea of what's possible and i often wonder as i you know as i agreed to the whole superpower thing and i could really relate to what you were talking about before because i didn't know everything that i was agreeing to and what what it all entailed when i said yes but um but i often wonder just how much of something exists out there that we discover versus us creating it upon even stating it so in my, in my world, just saying superpowers are real creates, my belief is, it creates a construct to even make it possible. Do When you discovered this kind of concept of the humans versus the humanoids, do, did you discover that this was going on or did you create that that's what's going on?
1: No, I discovered it was going on. And it's like, and it explains so many people to me that I had not been able to understand. Because if I got that they were human and they did not think in the same you know way i did then i had to see that they were just different they weren't wrong Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and it's like and i was i was more interested in what not whether somebody was right and wrong but whether they could change number one and whether they actually had a different point of view and how do i become aware of how that point of view works for them because i wanted to understand people i wanted to understand what made them work. I wanted to understand a whole lot of things. And it's like, for me, it's like, and I got over the idea of understanding because I realized understanding is standing under somebody else's boots. And it's like, I don't want to stand under anybody's boot. What I want to know is what I want to know. I want to know things. And when I got over the understanding and got through the place of recognizing, wait a minute, these people are not the same as me. They're different and they don't need to change. Because I always thought I had to change them in order to get them to see what was true. And I went, okay, they don't need to change. I need to be more aware. And what can I do to create the awareness? And that m- made a huge difference in what I could create and do from that time forward.
0: Hmm. yeah Yeah, feels like a like an exhale. Like it was like you could relax yeah. into just what you wanted versus feeling. It. Well, and it goes back to this idea. I, I think we do people a disservice by telling them they have to find their mission and purpose. Um, and we make it into this big deal. And that's a lot of pressure. Uh, it's like choosing a major in college, thinking that's going to dictate your life. And it's like there, there, there is a kind of a coming of age, I think, that successful entrepreneurs get to when they realize that you can really just kind of do whatever you want to do um, if you're willing to unravel all the programs and stuff to the contrary.
1: Yeah. And it's like, that's what I got to. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like my p- basic point of view is there's no right, there's no wrong, but what you make it. So you decide it's wrong. It's wrong. If you decide it's right, it's right. And if you question it, you might find out there's something else. So for me, it's always about question it, see what you can create by what you question, see what your, you know, what your question, what doors it opens to greater possibilities because the one thing that's true for me is there's always another thing possible if you're willing to choose it.
0: Oh, that's interesting. We just got, we just watched the, um, Assassin's Creed. Um, yeah. I wasn't all that intrigued by it initially, but, um, uh, my husband wanted to watch it. So we sat down and, um, and I was kind of paying attention, but I got pulled into it. And, and they say they, that's talked about in there. A part of the Assassin's Creed was the idea that a lot of people will be bound by morality and ethics, but, but all is possible. Um, I don't remember the exact quote. I'll go back and look it up now, but it was, um, but that, but they talked about that in there. That's really cool. What, um, what's next? Like what's on the horizon? What, what, what's the next chapter? What do you, what are you interested in um, now? Well, I'm
1: doing a lot of things. Number one, it's like our business is now in 174 different countries.
0: Mm, congratulations.
1: We didn't, didn't set out to do that. That was not our target. It's just, <laughs> of course <laughs> it just grew and it just keeps going and it keeps you know expanding and it's like i don't know how it does it it just sort of creates itself but it's like like anything else when you come up with something that's great that actually is going to help the world the world begins to actually look for it mm-hmm. and it's like i don't know how it happens but it happens now one of the things that's brilliant to me is with all these different places in which we have this occurring and this amazing expansion of our business it's like now we've gone into some other areas like we're starting a resort in costa rica which we did originally in order to have a place to go to have our seminars because the places where we were going would not do what we asked and you know it's like it's like first of all i love really good food and i hate bad food they would always try to create a cheaper way of feeding us rather than a better way of feeding us. And then we also, I always wanted to own a castle in Italy. So suddenly I found out about a castle in Italy and we went and we bought it. And now we're turning it into a hotel and it's like serious boutique hotel. It's like boutique hotels will look like, you know, hotel, Motel 6 compared to ours. But it's like, it's just, <laughs> it's just bizarre how these things are opening up and showing up. And, and one thing after another shows up and one person after another shows up. And everything that we touch seems to be turning to gold. And I'm stunned and thrilled and amazed and incredibly grateful. And it's like the one thing I've noticed is if you're truly grateful for whatever shows up in your life, good, bad, or ugly, the universe starts giving you more great things to be grateful for.
0: It really is that simple. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. and, and, and like I said, but we're hesitant to believe in it, I think, because we don't see all that, you know. And
1: well, it's like everybody know. tells you it can't be possible. It can't be mm-hmm. that, even. it can't be that, it can't be possible. And I look at something, I go, okay, so what is possible? And what, it, what can I create? And what, you know, what it is, you know, what can we create or do or have here? And my point of view is always look for what's possible. And all kinds of amazing things will show up for you. I used to, I did antiques for years and I accidentally got into an antique business in Brisbane, Australia. And the next thing I know I'm in business and it's like, I don't want to be in the antique business, but I'm in the <laughs> antique business too. And so I start finding wonderful things all over the world and, you know, giving them, you know, and and selling them, you know, it's like sending them to Australia and selling them. And I'm going, how the hell am I doing this? I'm making money on this. This makes no sense to me because it's not a sensible way to do it. It's not the normal way. And I began to realize, wait a minute, if you're not in the normal and standard practice, what are you? An anomaly. And if you're an anomaly, what can you create as an anomaly that you cannot create from normal and standard and I started doing that and it just turned out great.
0: <laughs> I call it the, uh, I call it the abstract frequency. And I say, yep. you know, it's like for a long time when I first started playing with those concepts, it felt like I had the circus theme going on in my head all the time. Like, do, 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 do. cause it was like, everything's opposite. And I was like, cause and effect are backwards. And I'm like, if you just take everything and turn it around, it makes sense here, but right. you can't bring the same rules in from like, you know, I, break it down from traditional mindset, evolved consciousness, and then abstract frequency because, and, and a lot of it is debunking the idea that the personal development journey or the spiritual growth journey is, is, is this, this journey, you know? And, I, and you know, I got to this place where I just started laughing almost maniacally, and I was like, oh, my gosh, the joke's on us. Like, there's no journey. Like, <laughs> like we're here. It's
1: like, it's just, it
0: was so bizarre. Um, now,
1: when are you going to receive
0: yeah. And it, it was so simple. And, 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 you know, I've shared that story many times on these shows, but um, I love the, what's possible concept. Neva's writing a book right now for parents to inspire their young entrepreneurs. And she t- entitled it when pigs fly. <laughs>
1: love
0: it. I so love it's that. like, you know, cause she, she's, well, she's set out, setting out to make a million dollars and um, wants to buy a pig. And she's figured out that if she makes a million dollars that we don't get to vote on her choice of pet and she can have a pig. And so that's her motivation. She's like, I want to buy a pig. And she's got it all fixed. She's going to call it Hamlet, it Hamlet Chicharrones Recla. And um, she, it's black and white. Like she's got this image and it's like, cool, you know, go for it. But nobody's ever told her she can't. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, she's like, mom, how do I do this? I was like, I don't know. You know, you better go find someone who can tell you or can at least kind of help you unfold that reality for yourself. You know, go look. And sure enough, she created a mentor in her existence that plays with her in that space. And I'm like, that's not really, you know, pigs aren't really my space to play in, but I'm happy to entertain it with you. Um, but so she went and found somebody and attracted to her somebody who would play in that space with her. And so... Um, Anyway, when you said, you know, figuring out, you know, instead of looking at what's not possible, really entertaining the idea that all of it is, if you so choose, which brings us back to, you know, where we started our dialogue about choice. Yeah. I will let you go, because I'm I'm recognizing time, but I have another question before I do that. Speaking of choice, uh, and this is purely um, for self-gratification, I've been playing with this concept around choice. and, And there was a point I got to where I'm like, it doesn't feel... Like choice, like it feels like by the time we choose, we've already chosen, and so semantics kind of messed with my mind for a little bit because choice is easy. You know, we kind of throw that word around, and 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 it is the experience of making a decision. Like, do you do this or do you do this? Are you playing in this space or playing in this space? But I kept having this um, blip of awareness that it that we once we have options, like once we know what the options are, we've already chosen on some level because the choice is what creates the options and so it didn't feel like choice to me and so i've been having a lot of um i've been asking a lot of questions around that word lately um have you expanded that at all
1: or one of the things that i always do is ask people so it's like if i choose this what will my life be like in five years be like not look like and it's like and if i don't choose it what will my life be like Because when you get to a certain point in the choice, you recognize that that choice expands the possibilities for the future. And if you start to live your life based on it's not just today, it's tomorrow and the next day too, what begins to occur is you begin to see that each choice is creating a a gift of the, the energy that's going to lead you to the furniture you have the future, I'm sorry, not the furniture, the future you have. I'm sorry. I, I, our house was flooded in, here in Texas. And it's like, I just got to the point where I couldn't stand it any longer. And it's like, I've been, we've been rebuilding the house and doing all kinds of stuff. And it's like, my, my whole life is about where do I put my furniture? Cause it's none of it was, you know, it's like the whole ground floor was gone. And what happens next? And what happens next? And what? So it's like, I'm running, I'm running, the Elugar uh, Hotel, I'm running the, the Italian Hotel, I'm running my house. I'm running a ranch where we're building it. We're adding another house to the ranch. And, I'm, and, it's, like, and it's like my head just gets so full of things I can hardly think. <laughs> you know? But it's like each choice creates more future. And it's just, it's just an amazing gift to see mm-hmm. the choices create your future. And it's like, well, it, and, and, that's the purpose of it, creating your future. A whole different universe opens up.
0: Well, and that's, I think that's what threw me because I saw it. Like I, the, the, it felt to me like the timelines were already written. And so it's like, I could wrap my mind around, okay, you're basically choosing which timeline, you know, which future, because and that's, we well, call what it. If you, um,
1: what if you were choosing to change tra- time tracks?
0: Mm-hmm. That's what it felt yeah. like.
1: See, it's like so, the, thing, the way I see it is. You make this choice and all of a sudden you have a different set of a different track that you're on. And then you make this choice and you're on a different mm-hmm. track. You make this choice and you're on a different track. And you begin to realize that time, you know, it's like future is like a cobweb of possibilities. It's not a it's not a predetermined thing. And it's like if you look at the cobwebs of all the possibilities that are available, every time you choose, you move a different set of cobwebs. And you start creating a more, a thicker possibility in the future.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. We call it temporal precognition. And I kept describing it to people. I said, I see all these futures. And it's like ticker tape. Like the numbers change constantly depending on what, in every single moment, what you choose. And I was equating it to which frequency you're choosing to play in. The percentage of possibility on each of those timelines alters. And it's like, it It, it was, it, it's like numbers and they just go, they're constant, like, like uh, the stock market, but more like Bitcoin because they never stop trading. It's like, brrr, like all the time these numbers are changing. Um, but those lines are written. It's just the, how they cross and how they, how you jump and all these other things. How
1: they interact and how mm-hmm. you interact with them. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Wow, very yeah. cool. Well, thank you. I appreciate um, that affirmation. Um, let, let's remind people again where the best way, place is for them to go to find out more about you.
1: Accessconsciousness.com.
0: Perfect. And we'll have a link on the site, folks, so you can go and look at that. Um, Gary, I adore you, and I really, really appreciate okay. you taking some time. I know that you're busy, especially with the house and everything going on, and so I, I, oh, I honor you and the work that you do in the world. And, thank you. Uh, well, thank, thank you. you. I like it. <laughs> I like hearing that. Well, very cool. Well, to all of you out there, as always, we appreciate your loyalty. And until next time, are you ready to discover your superpowers? superpowers Go now to to superpowerexperts.com and discover your superpowers today.